I want to share with you one of my favorite Christ-centered quotes that has become a, a benchmark for me personally. It has deepened my own understanding of what an identity in Christ means and the purpose to, to discover and to develop throughout life. And I want to share with you because it's always, you know, it's on my mind. It's something that I've had for a few years now. But last Sunday, as I was receiving the message from Pastor Josias, the quote came to my mind, and I did a, a note um, on my bulletin to bring it and share it this weekend with you. As a recap, Pastor Josias challenged us to stay on course and how that helps you to discover, develop, and demonstrate our identity centered in Christ or build on Christ and how that is to be also then lived in a purposeful life. How that's for us to stay on course. So this quote, for me, it's a gift loaded with truth and challenge, and it was said by Dallas Willard. So I hope if you want to make a mental note of it, if it helps you, as it helps me to write it down, so maybe you can reflect on it for the rest of this week. I hope that you go ahead and write that, if not only on the mental note. The quote says, the gospel is less about how to get into the kingdom of heaven after you die and more about how to live in the kingdom of heaven before you die. I'm going to read it again or state it again in case you are, if you need to look at the words, visualize them and write them down. The gospel is less about how to get into the kingdom of heaven after you die and more about how to live into the kingdom of heaven before you die. There is no implication in the quote that states that one side of heaven has no value. I hope you, 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 you can see that there was measurable terms. There was a less and a more concept involved. So both are valuable. One is simply more valuable. There was a notion that trended a few years ago, I think within the last 10 or definitely within the last 15 years, it was a trend quite popular among the younger generation. And the concept was YOLO. Y-O-L-O, -O, okay? 
YOLO, which stands for, it's an abbreviation for the Y-O-L-O, you only live once, okay? That was the trend. And it remains, um, and, and some folks continue are aware of it. The younger generation have heard it. It became a trend. It was part of many um, music uh, lyrics and it just it was social media. It, it was a trend. Well, YOLO, or you only live once, is a dangerous, misleading, false concept. It implies, first, that there's a definitive culmination or expiration date to this life. That's false. Next, that it is best we do as much as we can get before it's all over. That's wrong. And I can unpack that a lot, but the first thing that will challenge it and clarify its falsehood is that there is no final day for our souls. There's no definitive expiration date for humanity's souls. Looking at it from another angle, we are not created in the image of God to be inactive, to resist growth and progress, dormant, stagnant. Our biology alone reminds us that we mature and the body grows and progresses and there are seasonal changes just in our anatomy alone. And over the years, we see the evidence of that. So we're not created or called to be emotionally, spiritually, intellectually inert. Functioning then with a motive to merrily preserve, again, merrily, primarily, solely, to primarily preserve or to cruise along, plateau, is nowhere indicated in the Bible. It's nowhere indicated in the Bible. And I'm going to give you a few examples of that. God called older people like Abraham and Sarah. God called younger persons, women like Esther and Ruth, men like Moses, teenagers like David, who then we know as King David, rich people of stature like Solomon and Joseph, People from humble beginnings like Mary and Joseph the carpenter, father on earth of Jesus. Hot-headed temperamental people like Peter. Controversial persons like Paul. 
Daring and sacrificial persons like Lydia, professionals and wise people like Matthew, beloved persons like John, busy individuals like Martha, just to name a few. Personally, then you add to the community or aspect, and God calls the undermined outsiders called the Samaritans. He also challenged wise people considered the insiders, the temple's scribes. Every single person, character, nation, culture, people recorded in the Bible indicates that God calls to live a life that exemplifies the kingdom of God on earth on this side of heaven. Every single one of them from Genesis to Revelations. And today, we are not an exception to that, are we? Don't ever find yourself wondering, I must be the exception. No person then, no person today, and no person created in the future will not be welcomed into God's kingdom to live out a life exemplifying the kingdom of heaven on earth. But we have to respond to that. So I want to share with you a short clip that went viral on social media. I saw it in the last year, so I believe it's rather uh, recent. And when I first saw it, as the, the lights became, be, uh, began to dim, I saw an example of the gift of encouragement. And I saw in it how the gift of encouragement may cultivate a strong foundation influencing a person's outlook for their lives. So, I'm going to set it up. Please notice the encouragement that is poured into Phoenix. And please make sure you notice the emotions exhibited by Phoenix through this short yet meaningful experience. Here it is. Bring it up hard and bring it down fast. Hard and fast. Stop, Let's go, boy. Don't fall. You gotta stay your feet. Don't fall. Phoenix, go straight through. Hey, back up. Back up. Back up. Back up. Make a fight. You said it's a good one. Back up. Now hit hard. Come on, Phoenix. Hit it with the heel. You gotta listen. Hit it with the heel. Yes, you can do it. Come on. Yes, you can do it. You gotta do it. Look at me. You have to hit it hard, though. You cannot hit it light. You have to hit it hard. Go.
can make a modern parable of Phoenix. It's a true story, though, so it's a story. But I could, and I encourage a parent or any of you to bring that connection of how a, a modern story, you can extend it to have a, a parable in a sense of how many lessons and truths you can bring out of that, compare it to ancient parables as written on the Word of God, and, and share it with a younger person, your children, grandchildren, anyone. So let's pretend for a moment, and I'm going to call it a modern parable, the parable of the Karate Kid Phoenix. There's an audience watching and expecting a certain result from Phoenix. But it's not working out as he hoped. There's a coach, family, peers, encouraging. Yet Phoenix has difficulty overcoming fear. He kicks one time, nothing happens. He makes several attempts, one, two, three, maybe seven, which means an infinite number of keep of going and going. Failure repeats. Tears are released. Doubt and shape and shame increased. Embarrassment starts to show up, but words of encouragement show up even louder. The question, as typically found in a parable, did Phoenix receive blessings even before he broke the board? Before the ultimate victory, Phoenix received and experienced virtues and blessings. Virtues like encouragement, accountability, perseverance, confidence, resilience, self-forgiveness, ev evident before he breaks the board. So, as a typical ancient parable, I will try it in modern terms. So, blessed is the one who stays on course, building upon virtues even before achieving a victorious ending. As for the other adults and children witnessing what is happening to Phoenix, they exemplify virtues before witnessing, in this case, a victory imminently. So they witness virtues like the experience, excuse me, they exemplified virtues like patience, joy, gentleness, forbearance, encouragement. So like an ancient parable, am I right? I will do it in modern terms. So blessed are those who encourage people to stay on course. Amen. So I invite you to reflect on a tiny portion of 1 Timothy chapter 6, verses 18 and only 19. Two verses. Because I believe it makes a point for how to live in the kingdom of heaven before this earthly life is over. Because it's a continuation of many other verses, for the sake of that it makes sense as I read it, I will begin with the third or fourth word. Verse 18, do good, be rich in good works generous, and ready 
to share. The storing up for themselves, for ourselves, the treasure of, and go ahead and say it with me, a good foundation for the future so that they may take hold of the life that really is life. Not YOLO, that really is life. Truth, in other words. It's not on the screen, but I want to bring it to your attention. This, the whole piece of where you see 19, storing up for themselves the treasure of a good foundation, makes an intentional connection to the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 6, verses 19 through 20. And I'm going to read it so that you can make a connection uh, mentally. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust consume, and where thieves break in and steal. One day you have it, the next day it's all gone, basically. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven, for heaven, where neither moth nor rust consumes, and where thieves do not break in and steal, for nothing can separate us from the love of Jesus Christ. And here's the hook, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Chapter 6 of this particular passage, in connection to the Matthew 6 chapter, the dominant impression left by this portion regards the dangers of storing earthly focuses, riches, successes as the end goal. Not because it has no value, but make the connection to what I said at the beginning, the whole more or less peace. The whole more or less peace. Focusing and following misleading trends like YOLO, operating in, life's, in life as life's primary aim to succeed in security, in titles, in status, hoarding for a whole lot of stuff over meaning more than aiming to seek God's will for your life is not a strong foundation, thus a strong future for us. So the question, how are you storing treasures in and for heaven here and now? How are you building a strong foundation in Jesus here and now for the future so that your life and everyone in your life can have a hold of the life that really is life? In a wider scale, identifying ourselves as Christian followers with an aim to avoid getting out of our comfort zone is not how God calls us to live out God's kingdom. I gave you a few names of folks 
who were called out of the comfort zone. It's been never indicated in the, in the Bible. It's never been justified in the word of God that once we feel settled in the church pew or set in a leadership role in church, the mission of the church of making disciples of Jesus Christ is now going to convert to make me happy and make you happy. That's never been and will not be. So for any one of us who considers themselves mature believers, we must act like such. Showing up to church to serve, not to be served. We have the years, for those of us, maybe we have the experience, maybe we have the tools and the maturity. That includes demanding less to do church our way and start asking how we can help the next generation to serve Jesus Christ with even greater passion and wisdom than previous generations. Does that excite you or does that concern you? Does that annoy you? So the next question is, how is your strong foundation being built as such a strong foundation? And how are, your, how are you contributing for another person's future foundation in Jesus Christ? This past week, maybe many of you saw it as well. I saw an inspiring social media post by one of our very own first church parents. This is what a young boy from our church shared at school. And with the permission of his mother, Miss Leslie Jackson, we want to show you something that Kobe wrote in school. And Kobe writes, I have a dream that every kid will not be homeless. I believe he's learning how to read. I mean, it's a very basic sentence. And then you notice the red writing must be the teacher, where he or she writes, I love it and wish the same thing. Now, here's an evidence of God's gracious work in a child's formative years. Here's one of our kiddos. Here is what it looks like, God's kingdom. Through the eyes of a child, do we remember how the Bible says, let all the children come to me for theirs is the kingdom? Because there's purity in this. Careful, careful the cynics among, in, in us. That's fantasy, let, wait until years come by, you'll get the real truth of it all. Hang on, that's a cop out actually. Because the truth is, we are to be part of God's kingdom to get that resolved. And Miss Leslie Jackson, again, who is here with us right now as we speak, 
a parent who's devoted, prioritizing to have Kobe be part of a Sunday school, be part of eventually the youth group, and it's a parent fighting through many hardships and difficulties for the sake of Kobe. And may I add, for the sake of commending to many of you, a single parent doing great work, Miss Jackson. And for the short period that I've been here, I've heard firsthand how Miss Jackson has said, I am so grateful for First Church. And she implies that Kobe is being raised, she's receiving the support of her church family, and it takes a village to raise our children. And she has found a place that are doing that indeed. Way to go, First Church. Way to go. That's what it looks like to have a strong foundation. And it's not in vain. That's what it looks like to build for his strong future. That's encouraging. And it's hard to resolve, isn't it? But we are called to be part of this kingdom on this side of heaven and live out the great commandment and the great commission. So here's the piece for about uh, the strong future concept. As we begin to come to a close, each generation needs to honor God. Each generation needs to worship Jesus Christ. Each generation needs to become disciples, believers of Jesus Christ. Each generation has to reach the community. Each generation needs to teach and receive God's word. Each generation is to do it in different ways without taking the essence of the gospel and the truth that never changes of Jesus Christ. Nowhere in the Bible has it ever indicated that we are not to be called out of our comfort zone or do life apart and independently of God's will. No one. And I hope that you are encouraged. In the season of your life, to continue building a strong foundation for the future. As a family person, as a leader, as an employee, as an employer. For this week, as we welcome and, and are excited about next week, how is God calling you? to not only build your own life, store it to share it so that life is lived truly as God intended it. So how are you living the kingdom of heaven now? Building a strong foundation for a strong future. And I'll finish with a very much simpler question in case this applies or encourages someone. These kind of posts, I think, are perfect to share around the dinner table with your kids. So if that applies to you, I hope you do. If you have life verses, favorite quotes, 
Call your grandchild. Tell your five-year-old, your ten-year-old, your thirty-two-year-old, again and again and again. This is one of my favorite quotes. Why? And I'll tell you why. A, B, and C. You just plant the seed over and over and over again. If you have a spouse, if you have a partner, if you have a boyfriend, girlfriend, it doesn't matter. But if you have someone to share, tell them. You know what? I don't have a life verse. Let me find one. Google life verses if you have no point of reference. But start somewhere. Share with someone. And may we continue to build a strong foundation for the next generation that includes you and everyone who follows you. Are you with the Lord on this? Amen.